This is the All Into Clemson Football Podcast, the official, unofficial podcast of the Clemson Tigers. What's up, everybody? Briley here, and welcome to this midweek update. Here in a second, we'll welcome senior writer and editor for the Clemson Insider, Will Vandervoort, to discuss a bunch of Clemson topics. Will is super fun, so I know you're going to enjoy it. Now, don't forget to come back on Friday as well as Carter and I preview Clemson's matchup with Virginia Tech. Man, it's just hard to believe that it's already time for the final regular season game of the year. It's going to be a really fun episode on top of discussing the keys to the game and what you should watch for. Bama Dan makes another appearance. Our producer Trevor has a new version of the Worthless Sound Collection and will play another round of Clemps In or Clemps Out. Hope you'll join us on Friday. All right, let's go ahead and listen to my chat with Will Vandervoort. Great to welcome back to the pod, Will Vandervoort, who is the senior writer and editor for the Clemson Insider. Will, since the last time we talked in late October, the Steelers are still undefeated and the Tigers have now lost a game. I must admit that I didn't see that coming. (laughs) Yeah, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year who would have the loss first, I definitely went with the Steelers. Um, and not that I'm a cynical fan because I am, um, but it's just uh, it's just Clemson obviously has done it so much lately that just kind of you expect them to go undefeated. Um, but that's the beauty of football. And, <clears throat> you know, people are talking about, well, you know, Ohio State, if they they look like the number 14, they should get in only if they play six games. Well, I asked the question, Clemson played seven games, had a couple injuries, had their starting quarterback get COVID-19, go up to Notre Dame, play a very good Notre Dame team who had a bye week, was fresh, healthy, and what happened? They lost the game in week eight. That's why you don't put a team who's 6-0 and in the college football playoffs. I'm sorry, because they haven't had to go through the rigors of a season that everybody else has had to go through, and you can't say – well, this, this, and this, because you don't know unless you play them. So if one, if three teams are playing 11, 10, 12 games, then that, that, that's hard to evaluate another team that's only played six and to say, well, they, they look really good in their six. Well, that shouldn't matter because Clemson looked really good too until COVID hit and, and injuries hit. And then Clemson had, they struggled and they, they almost lost to Boston College, you know, because of the same reasons. And then they did lose to Notre Dame. And then they come back. They're healthy, right? And what happened last week? They just annihilated Pittsburgh. They look like the best team in the country again. That's why you got to take into account the entire the entirety of a season and the journey of a season. And that's why a team that's only played half a year should not be. You know, I'm getting right into this, aren't I? This should not be into the college football playoff. I, you know, I, I was going to no say. Time. I was going to save the the playoff rankings for last, but I, I like this. Let's start hot and uh, let's let's keep this going. So, uh, you know, I was going to ask you if you thought Ohio State should be in the playoff, even if they only play, you know, six games or fewer or whatever. But uh, I think I know the answer that to that now. Uh, so, I, I how do you feel about playoff expansion? I mean, I know a lot of people have been talking about that so far this season, and with the unusual circumstances where it's really hard to compare teams because no one resume is the same whatsoever. What, I mean, how do you feel about expanding the playoff to include, you know, some of those outliers like Ohio state? I don't like it at all. Um, and I'll tell you why, like a, first of all, we just talked about team six and those shouldn't be in the playoffs. You haven't played enough. You haven't played a season yet. And, and nobody can say, well, it's not their fault. Well, it is. It's the big 10's fault. 
because, you know, and they are part of the Big Ten, and they originally said it was okay that they, they weren't going to have a season. So that is their fault, you know. So let's let's not forget about, you know, it's, you know, the Big Ten's the one. It ain't anybody else who hurt them. It's themselves in the Big Ten that hurt themselves. So I don't feel sorry for them, you know, because they had opportunities like the other conferences did to start their season. But I don't like the fact to say, okay, let's let four other teams in, and I'll tell you why. If you watch the women's basketball tournament, <clears throat> NCAA basketball tournament, the final four is great, right? It, it's very competitive. The games go to like right down to the wire. It's really fun to watch. Championship games generally are fun to watch. But before you get to the final four, you know what's not fun to watch? Women's college basketball tournament. Because <laughs> no, a team like uh, South Carolina, for instance, you know they beat the, a team who gets in the tournament, let's say in the Sweet 16 round, they beat them by 60 points. That's not fun. You know, that's not, not it's not good TV. Nobody wants to watch that. It's ugly, right? Well, that's how I worry if you if you if you add four more teams to college football playoff, you tell me the number eight team is gonna compete with Alabama. Are you telling me that? Because there's that's not gonna happen. You know, are you telling me uh the number um uh six team is gonna compete with Clemson? After what we just saw Clemson do to Pittsburgh, that's not going to happen. So you're going to end up with the same four teams anyway. So why why put us through all that? Why let us watch a week of bad football where one team just wins 52 to 17 or something? Like what 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 fun is that? When you know the four best teams are the four best teams for a reason. They're clearly better than anybody else. I don't think football as good as college football is. And yes, anybody can win on any given weekend. But when the best teams are playing their best which generally is the case at the end of the year when you're talking about Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and those guys, then it's not equal. And, it's, and, and, and I don't think a team like Cincinnati can even stay on the same field with a team like Alabama and Clemson um, you know, or Ohio State. I'm sorry. That's just the way I feel about it. Um, you know, So, no, I, I'm against that because I think it dilutes the system. And you've got teams that are in the playoffs that shouldn't really be in uh, considered playoff teams. They're good – there's a reason why they had the New Year's Six. Um, you know, Virginia was a New Year's Six team last year, but what did Clemson do to them in the AC Championship game? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, Wisconsin was a New Year's Six team last year, but what did Ohio State do to them in the Big Ten Championship game? You know, uh, we've seen Alabama just steamroll everybody in the SEC. LSU last year, look what they did in the, in the SEC Championship game against Georgia. You know, it's not even close. And so I just say, you know, let's don't waste our time. That's why I hate that argument when people bring it up. I'm like, really? Come on, guys. Did you watch the conference championship games any of the last several years? Tell me yeah. a good one you remember, right? You can't you can't name one, right? No, I can't. <laughs> That's a great yeah. point. I actually honestly haven't thought about it uh, from that perspective. Uh, so that I mean, that's really great perspective. I, I've also heard that maybe we should just go ahead and skip straight to Alabama Clemson in the uh, championship. So, <laughs> well, I would normally say that's fine, but if anybody watched Ohio State Clemson last year, you know that's probably not a good idea because that <laughs> yeah. was a doggone good game. That was a fun game to cover. It's what playoff football is all about. Um, I you hope you get more like those here in the next few years. The one four matchup has seemed to be kind of watered down, if you will, but that two or three has been pretty fun for the most part every year. And so yeah. um, with the exception of Clemson, Ohio state a few years back in 2016, that wasn't very fun, but uh, you know, but most of the time that two, three matchup has been pretty good. And yeah. so I don't want to skip ahead because I think anything can happen that two, three matchup and, you know, we could be seeing, and I guess you'll probably ask me about this, we could be seeing Clemson-Notre Dame again in that 2-3 matchup, you know, a third time. Yeah, which would be 
be crazy. I want to. I do want to ask you about that. But first, uh, how mad are Ohio State fans going to be if they don't get another shot at Clemson this year? They're going to be <laughs> mad because it seems like I think Ohio State will be mad too. It seems like that's all they want. You know, like more than anything, you know, you go. Yeah, I remember seeing pictures during the off season of Ohio State players going in, and it says "Remember this" or something. They have a weird like obsession. Showed, yeah, it's, it showed the Clemson score and and all that, and it, and it. The funny thing was, I think it said Ohio State twenty three, Clemson twenty nine. So I'm like, if you want to remember it, don't you want to put Clemson above that to kind of like let them know, you know, who beat them? I don't know. That's the way I look at it. I, mean, I think I think perceptions everything um in that sense you know when you're trying to trying to send a message to your team um you keep to me when you have that and i think that's the way the sign read when you have that it kind of makes it look like ohio state's better than clemson and we shouldn't have lost to them when reality is you did lose to them you got outscored 29 to 7 the last 32 minutes of the game or whatever it was um so that's that's on you <laughs> you know 38 minutes of the game i should say so that's on you um, you know, you're the team that didn't struggle, that struggle scoring in the red zone, not Clemson. Clemson held you out. Um, you know, you're the team whose quarterback threw an interception in the end zone with 20 seconds to go, whatever it was. So, you know, that's so that to me, that's you need to you need to point out that Clemson beat you if you want to try to get your players' attention, not like make excuses of why you lost the game. And Dabo does that as well as anybody. You know, he 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 really motivates his team. Uh, to get them ready to play a game. And so, um, yeah, so Ohio State, you know, yeah, hey, if that's what they want, I think Clemson's more than welcome for that. Um, sometimes they might want to not get what they ask for um, because I, right now I'm telling you, man, and I'm not saying this, you know, because we're on a Clemson podcast or anything. Clemson, if they play like they did in that first quarter against Pitt, I'm sorry, there ain't anybody in the country can beat them. There's not. There's not a there's chance. Not. No. Yeah, they were insane in that first quarter. And I was talking to my co-host when we recapped the game. It was it was crazy because that first quarter, the first couple of drives, uh, they started slow. And yet somehow they scored 31 points in the first quarter. It, it was just this weird anomaly of like they started slow and somehow still ended up with 31 points in the first quarter. They, they did. And, and, you know, a lot of that, I think, is they're healthy um, and they're going to be even healthier this week uh, going into Virginia Tech. Uh, they're getting healthy at the right time, especially on defense. And you got a lot of those young guys who played on defense and got some great experience. And now you bring back the Tyler Davis, the James Skowski. You bring back Mike Jones. You bring back Sharon Jones. You bring back Frank Latson. Excuse me, not Frank Latson. Xanders. Uh, uh, um, so you bring, I don't know why I said Frank Latson. Um, <laughs> we'd love to have him back eventually. We'd love but... to have him back on the offensive <laughs> side for sure. But, yeah. um, you know, you bring back Landon Xanders. And so now all of a sudden you're you're probably as healthy as you've ever been on defense, and all these young guys behind those guys got experience too now, and now you can start making a real true playoff push, and that's why Clemson is so scary, man. I would not want to play them because they're getting healthy at the right time, they're finding their rhythm, and I think the Pittsburgh game was just a sign of, of things to come here. Absolutely, I mean that was after a long three week wait. It was great to see them come out there and start fast, and really the defense dominated, like you mentioned. And especially what I noticed was the def the defensive line. So we had a bunch of defenders out on the back end, but mm -hmm. uh, you know Pittsburgh threw four interceptions, and I think a lot of that was because of the pressure that Clemson's line was putting on the quarterback. So. You know, it was great to see that line finally back together the way that they should be. And so my question to you is, 
What was a more important who who was more important to get back, Skalski or Tyler Davis? Because I know the last time you were on, you talked about Tyler Davis being probably the most important key to this to the success of this defense. But Skalski's pretty important too. How how important was it to get both of them back? And who do you think is the more important player to get back? Well, without a doubt, both of them are important because of the middle of your defense. They're, they're both the starters and Skalski lines everybody up. I'm not going to take away the importance. I guess it's 1A, 1B, if you will. But 1A is definitely Tyler Davis. And you can just look at the numbers. I'm going to throw some numbers out at you. In the four games he's played this year, opponents are averaging 66.3 yards a game rushing. Um, That's crazy. They're averaging less than two yards a carry. Okay. Let me two less than two yards a carry with Tyler Davis in the game. Okay. They're, um, they're giving up uh, way fewer points. Uh, I can't remember the exact number on that, but uh, sacks. They got 21 sacks in the four games he's played, 15 in the five he hasn't. Um, so you tell me, you know, who is who is important to that Clemson defense? And the reason – and so for people can understand, when Tyler Davis went out, you know, um, you know, Peakney and those guys are, are good football players, don't get me wrong, but they're not to the level he is, Okay. Brian Brzee is to the level Tyler Davis is, but he's young and he's inexperienced. And so there's things that he just doesn't know yet that Tyler Davis just automatically does because Brzee played, so people can understand, he played defensive end in high school. You know, now he's being asked to play the three technique or the nose. Two different things to do. That's a lot coming at you if you're a young man and you're just learning a position and you're playing at the college level. Uh, the major college level, you know, and then you're having, instead of just being able to learn it, now you got to go in and start because he is the best player and does give you the best chance, right? But he's going to make freshman mistakes. Notre Dame took full advantage of that. Ian Book took total advantage of that and really used that against Clemson, especially when he was scrambling around and how he found his running lanes. A lot of us, because Brzee was just out of position, um, no fault of his own. He's learning the position, you know, you know, and sometimes he he had it right and fitted it right and and did what he's supposed to from a technique standpoint and all that. But then there's other times he wasn't. He was out of position and and, and Ian Book took advantage of that and that allowed him to escape a lot. You're not going to see that if they get to play a rematch of that game. Because Tyler Davis does such a great job, first of all, just pushing the pocket in, collapsing it. He's going to get a double team almost every time. So that's going to take away one guy away from somebody else. That's going to free up somebody else, you know. And then when he – here's a perfect example. They're playing pit. It's one-on-one against him in the center, I believe. And the pit quarterback, um, Kenny Pickett, tries to scramble. And, and he's a pretty good scrambler himself. And so at that point, Davis has his guy – Got him where he's supposed to. Hands are perfect, um, you know, and he and he's watching, as you're supposed to do in that technique. You're supposed to just watch. You're not supposed to move. You, you want to hold your guy up, and you want to be able to see what the quarterback's doing. Well, he sees him coming. He sheds the block and goes and makes the sack. That's what you get with Tyler Davis that you weren't getting when he wasn't in the game. It's just those little things that the average fan doesn't see that he does He's not going to have big tackles for loss or sacks or anything like that, but he disrupts the entire play just by if you watch the way he pushes in and collapses a pocket, he immediately collapses a pocket where a quarterback's got to like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And so they start to run, and guess who they run into? They run into Miles Murphy or they run into Xavier Thomas. And so those guys get the sacks because of what Tyler Davis is doing up the middle. That's why he's so good. He's as good as Grady Jarrett, and that's who he reminds me of. And uh, anybody who knows Grady Jarrett and watched Grady Jarrett at Clemson and now with the Atlanta Falcons, he's the, one of the best in the business. And that's who Tyler Davis plays like. So important to that defense. 
Yeah, and everything you just said is why I got annoyed after the Notre Dame game when everyone was talking like the defense wasn't what it should be. And I was like, I mean, they were missing their most important defensive players. And it's not, and I know everyone talks about like, well, they don't really feel that bad for Clemson because a five-star Brian Brzee steps in for Tyler Davis. You know, they have this wealth of talent. Mm -hmm. And yet everything you just said of, listen, (laughs) Tyler Davis is the best defensive lineman that you have. So even though Brian Brzee is pretty darn good himself, there's still a level there where it it drops. And uh, he's young. There's a reason why he wasn't the starter. Exactly, exactly. He's got to – he's still got some learning to do. He's a freshman. By the time – you know, and he's not like – Tyler Davis has played defensive tackles his whole life. So this is is all Tyler Davis knows. Well, Brian Brzee, what he knows is playing defensive end. And now he's being asked to move inside and play three technique and knows. Those two are two different positions than what he's used to playing. That takes time. I don't care how good you are. It takes time – for you to learn that skill and to get really good at it. And that's where Brzee's at right now. Now, there's no doubt in my mind, by the time he gets it down, he's going to be one of the best Clemson's ever had. But right now, he's going through growing pains, as, as all freshmen do. Yeah, he'll get there. And it's it's nice to have those other guys back as well. But one guy that would Clemson didn't have back last game was Darion Kendrick. So mm-hmm. uh, what the heck is going on with that? And also, what the heck does Dabo's love shack look like? <laughs> I was about to say, well, he's in the love shack. Um, <laughs> I don't so know. weird. I think Dabo went back to 1989. I guess he loved that song, the love shack. You know, um, you know, if you're my age, you know what I'm talking about. Um, that was a top 10 hit or whatever. A number one hit. I can hear Casey Kasem coming on now. Casey Kasem, <laughs> um, you know, doing his thing. Um, sending out the, 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 what is it? The request and dedication um, to, to one Christopher William Sweeney. Um, <laughs> I'm getting chills you know. even thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, here's Love Jack. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I, I digress. Uh, so, yeah, interesting that um, Dabo called it a Love Shack. So Darion has been in this doghouse all year, and I'm going to call it a doghouse. Dabo can call it a Love Shack. He's been in and out of his doghouse all year. And I don't think it's for anything, like, major – I think it's more probably on the academic side of things. Are you doing the right things from an academic side? So I don't think it's anything people need to worry about, like anything going on off the field. I think this is more like stuff like, you know, just kind of keeping, keeping everybody on the same page in house, you know? So this isn't any like, you know, he's doing anything that he's not supposed to be doing. I think it's just academics and stuff of that nature. Um, They're just trying to send them a message. Hey, academics are every bit as important as football. Um, and so um, I think that's what this has been all year with him. And, you know, he'll, uh, you know, you know, he needs to, as Dabo said, Darion needs to take something serious. And sometimes you got to send a message, some kids that you just, they need to take things a little more serious, whether it's football practice, whether it's watching game film, whether it's their schoolwork, you know, there's just things that happen when you, when you have that many players, guys are going to get distracted. They're going to do their own things. Maybe, it's not as important to them as it is to somebody else. And so, but you have to send the message that everybody's on the same page and that everybody's treated the same way. If you don't, then you can cause, you can have problems. And I think that's what Dabo's doing here. He's just making sure, hey, look, we have a set of rules. You have to follow those rules. I don't care if you are an all ACC caliber player and you're one of the best on our team, you still have to follow the same rules everybody else does. Yeah. Well, I hope he can get back on track because we could use him back there. And uh, I hope Dabba's love shack does the does the trick for him. Just so. needs a little loving, man, as Dabba said. Just need a little loving, man. That's all they need. <laughs> Just got to love him up. Oh, it's so weird sometimes. He's That's why we love Dabba, though. And uh, so 
Here's another question for you. Uh, Dabo's been angry the past couple of weeks, thanks to FSU. Yeah. That's another statement. Um, angry Dabo is my... Sometime. What's that? Ask him about it sometime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll leave that to you, I think. <laughs> uh, angry Dabo is probably my favorite Dabo, though. Uh, funny Dabo is kind of close for me. That's a close second. So, so what's your favorite version of Dabo? Is it angry? Is it funny? Is it normal Dabo? Um, you know, I, I don't worry. I, I love funny Dabo too I mean everybody does but angry Dabo angry Dabo's pays the bills I'm gonna tell you so for from my website standpoint and for anybody in my business you know angry Dabo is what pays the bills and when he goes off on his rants and he gets fired up about something I mean it's like gold for us it's like all right this is what we like to see you know (laughs) and so we didn't know what to expect a few weeks ago during that Sunday teleconference you know I knew Dabo was mad from what I had been told, um, you know, because I was down in Tallahassee when that all went down. I was actually on my way over to the stadium to the game when it happened to go check in. And um, when I got the phone call to go back to the hotel. So, um, so I, you know, I was down there. So I called a couple of my buddies and things of that nature, or just people that, uh, that I know and trust as sources. And Dabo was extremely angry. Um, and it was a good, there's a reason why Dabo didn't talk on Saturday. Okay. Uh, you know, there's a reason why everybody's like, why is Florida state getting to come out with the comments and Dabo ain't saying nothing. Well, if you listen to Sunday's teleconference, you kind of found out because that was 24 hours later, Dabo, and he was still fired up. And, um, you know, and, and the thing I liked about it is Dan Radakovich was on the call with us that night, which he never is. Um, he had to open a statement and said some things and then Dabo got on and Dan totally supported everything Dabo said. And he just let Dabo go um, because I don't think he was going to be able to hold him back. Um, and Dabo didn't hold back. And so when we, we heard Dan was going to be on that call, we're like, okay, well, Dan's probably going to keep the peace. He's probably going to be a PC Dabo Sweeney, you know, probably not a big deal. And then they were sitting there listening. And all of a sudden it's like, he just starts going like, <laughs> yeah, they need to forfeit. We were ready to play. They were wrong. They were telling our guys, our guys were wrong and blah, blah, blah. And it just, we're like, wow, this is interesting. Also very fun. Um, so it was an easy story to write. I wrote, I think I wrote three stories off that, that night. So it was, um, you know, I was banging them out, bang, 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 bang. Cause Dabba was just letting it go, man. Made, made my life easy that night. And it was, like I said, it was very good for the website. It seems like at least a couple of times a year, there's, there's a few of these things that really light as fire and, and make good business for you, I'd say. So is yeah, this like the, a passionate guy? He's a very yeah. passionate guy. And I, that's what I like about him because I'm a passionate yeah. guy too, if you haven't noticed. So <laughs> I have noticed. <laughs> you came in, you came out almost as hot as he did on that teleconference. So, <laughs> <laughs> so is this FSU saga, this dramatic saga finally over? Like I know they came out and said that they won't be playing on December 12th. Mm-hmm. You know, is Dabo going to get over it now? Or has this really ignited a new level of contention in this? It's sort of been a dormant rivalry for the past couple of years. Do you think this is really going to you know, and ratchet that up again. Oh, absolutely. Next year when this game rolls around, um, and I would imagine Florida state's going to have to come up here next year. Um, it's going to be ugly. My friend, um, <laughs> Dabo is not going to call off the dogs on this one. I don't think, um, he, listen, Dabo will send messages and, you know, you got to understand it. You got to understand the relationships with these coaches and things of the of teams, like, you know, when Clemson scored 63 on Wake Forest, that was just Clemson. Wake Forest couldn't stop them, okay? It wasn't Dabo trying to run up the score or anything like that. It's just they couldn't stop them. 
when uh, when Clemson scored 56 on South Carolina a few years ago, that was the same thing. It wasn't Dabo wasn't trying to send a message or anything. It was just you know because Dabo had nothing against most champion those guys down there, and 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 it, it wasn't Dabo trying to run score on them. When they scored 77 on Louisville, yeah, Dabo was trying to run score up. <laughs> they they were he, he was not good friends with Bobby Petrino. There was no love loss there, and uh, you know the, those guys. It was known that, that 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 staff and the Clemson staff did not like each other. And um, so, you know, I'm not saying – I mean, Dabo did score with their second 13 guys. It wasn't like Trevor and those guys were out there doing it. But he wasn't calling off the dogs. He was like, you guys go out there and have fun and score. You know, there wasn't no taking knees and <laughs> things of that nature. <laughs> you know, they were they were trying to see if they can push 80. They really were um, in that game because they just, you know, you know, d- Dabo knew, you know, that th- that was just something. Now, he wouldn't admit that publicly, just mean just knowing – what I know from behind the scenes, you know, that's uh, there's definitely some um, there's definitely some angst there amongst those two coaching staffs. Uh, that's not there in Louisville anymore. So you wouldn't see that Dabo, you know, from what I understand the Clemson staff loves Satterfield up there at Louisville and they love the, the, the Louisville program and, and know what they're doing up there. And so those, you won't see that kind of thing happen again, <laughs> you know? So, but right now I think, you know, Norvell has become the new Petrino of the ACC. Um, and it's not just at Clemson. You know, Virginia, not too happy with the guy either. Um, and so, how does that um, happen two weeks in a row? Like, I could there be anything more unprofessional than that? I just don't understand. No, no yeah, it's totally unprofessional. And, and the first of all, this guy, Coach Norvell, you know, here's a guy who was called out publicly by his own players twice for lying before the season. That's a good one point. over the Black Lives Matter situation. Um, and his all American. Defensive tackle, Marvin Wilson comes out and, you know, sets the record straight on that. Um, and, and and then a few weeks later comes the protocol situation where he lies about the protocols and what they're doing. A player calls him out, says, that ain't what's happening. Then you have all these players leaving the team because in even the week of the Clemson game, a player leads the team, and they all say because they don't feel safe because of the protocols. They're not, they don't feel comfortable and safe with the protocols. That's every single one of the reasons then this guy has the audacity to come out and say that Clemson, right, is the one who had issues when here's Dabo Swinney. And, 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 and this is, I'm going to get passionate about this because the national media who really threw Dabo Sweeney under the bus on this whole situation, you know, here they are attacking Dabo Sweeney, who set his star player in the biggest game of the season in college football, not just at Clemson, but in college football, he sits him because his medical advisors say, Coach, we probably need to sit Trevor because we just need to be safe. He probably can play, but it's probably not in his best interest right now. And Dabo says, okay. And he didn't argue it. I'm sure he didn't like it, but he didn't argue it or nothing. He sat down his best player, arguably the best player in college football, and it cost him the game. Now, I mean, DJ didn't play bad, but he did, but but Trevor would make a difference in that game. You, you, you know, yeah. If you know anything about football, you know that because a DJ wasn't completely healthy himself, and there's he couldn't run the zone reads and things of that nature. So that took an element of your call play calling away against Notre Dame, and Notre Dame knew that, which allowed them to key on Tra- Travis Etienne, and you took him out of the game because of it. So here's a guy who who a coach who took out his best player in the biggest game of the year and now you're attacking him 
and you're going on the guy, you're going on the side of the guy who has already been caught lying twice in public, (laughs) you know? And and so you're going to go on them and say, and you're going to question Clemson's protocols when Clemson did exactly what the ACC told them to do. And the ACC was okay with what Clemson did, that Clemson did nothing wrong. And then all of a sudden it's convenient for Florida state to go and say, you know what? We just don't feel safe. Yeah. Okay. That's their prerogative. Yes. However, when Clemson offers up, says, okay, well, you don't feel safe. Well, what can we do to fix it? We'll test everybody. We'll pay for it ourselves. We'll test everybody. We could play tonight, or we'll stay even maybe Sunday and Monday and play. We'll we'll p- pick up that bill and probably another couple hundred thousand dollars, if that, to make you feel safe. What was Florida State's answer? No. They said no to all of the above. So – if you're Clemson, and then by the way, for those who probably don't know, probably most people do, Clemson tested zero positive all week that next week. Nobody on the team tested positive. Nobody. So they could have played. Well, and the then game. the irony is that Florida State is now not playing. Now Florida which, State's not playing. Yeah. Which, and I go back to the original reason they're not playing. This is why you call it irony, you call it karma, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to tell you why Florida State didn't want to play Clemson. Now they won't say this publicly, but I know just talking to people. I know what the deal was. Florida State had two scholarship quarterbacks, two, okay? And one of them was questionably at 70%. That was the starting quarterback. The other one is a true freshman who, let's be honest, was the four-string quarterback that they brought in just to help grades, okay? He was your A guy on the staff. You know, you got your you got to have an a, a guy that's going to make straight A's. That was that kid. Yeah. Nothing against him. I'm sure he's a great football player. He's playing. He's like got a D one scholarship. He's better than anything I've ever done. I'm not. I'm not saying that. But he wasn't. They don't want to put him on the field against the number against Clemson against the number three ranked team in the country. They they didn't want to do that, right? I mean, they didn't feel comfortable doing that. So to and boil it down, good, they were scared. Yeah, just like and Kirk Herbstreit said. Right. They were worried that their other guy wouldn't stay healthy the whole game, and they're going to have to play this other quarterback who would not be ready to play at that kind of level, which Clemson is. And they would get beat 70 to nothing. And as a coaching staff, they were afraid. They've already had all these players opt out. They're trying to get competitive. They're trying to say, hey, if you do this and this and this, the right things are going to happen. We're going to get better. And then you go get hammered 70 to nothing by Clemson, who is the program everybody looks to as the standard. Now, all of a sudden, what's going to happen? You're going to really lose those guys. That's what happened. That's why he didn't want to play. Um, Mike Norvell got on the call Friday night of all things, which which there's nothing wrong with that. There's no rule that says they can't get on the call on Friday night, but no coach ever does. But he got on the call Friday night because his medical advisor says, you need to get on the call. So he gets on the call when Clemson tells them they had one player that tested positive for COVID-19. Clemson did what they're supposed to. They informed Florida State. Well, that's what Norvell said in his press conference. That's when the situation escalated to the result of that Saturday morning. So I'm like, so in other words, you went to your coaches and you guys talked about it. That's what yeah. that means to me. You know, yeah. that ain't what you said, but that's what that means. That's how I took it. You went to your coaches after you got this information that you listened in on, and you went to your coach and said, guys, how can we get out of this? It's <laughs> almost like what they did. And um, and then that, that's my theory on that. I think that's, you know, what happened on that. Um, and uh, But it definitely was because they were shorthanded at quarterback. That was a concern. But then to do, like you said, to do it to Virginia too, If how can you not know you have a chance where you might not have enough players to play earlier in the week. How do you not know that? You got to at least know that by Thursday. 
Yeah, or at opinion. least inform Virginia that it that there's a possibility that it could happen and say, hey, let's uh, let's hold off, maybe. Yeah, why not call the ACC and like all the other schools have done throughout the year, like Miami's done, like Georgia Tech has done, like Wake Forest has done, like Notre Dame has done, like Louisville has done. Do I need to keep going? Like Pittsburgh has done. <laughs> Every single one of these schools have done that when they've had, a, a, you know, whether COVID positives or they've had contact tracing. How hard would it have been for Florida State to do that and to say, hey, guys, we can't play this week? You know, and then you probably will say, well, okay, they are being safe, you know, and then, you know, we can get it. You know, maybe the standards are higher at Florida State, you know, but then to do what they did to Virginia after what they just did to Clemson the week before. Yeah, I smell a rat. I'm sorry. Yeah, I yeah. smell a rat and he stinks. It's a stinky <laughs> dead rat that I smell. And, um, and, and I'm telling you that dead rat might be sitting up there running the football program. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope that uh, he's still around next season, so that Dabo has that fire and puts up a hundred on him next year. Well, you, you, if Florida State's smart, they he can't afford to let go of another coach. They've already got a. They, I mean, they've lost so much money this year, and they're already paying Willie Taggart. And you know, I just don't. Um, yeah, they're stuck with him right now, and so. Um, well, I don't want Dabo coming back next year and adding another. You know, he said, "Well, I've been here you know, twelve years, a dozen years, and and uh, there's been what four coaches in Florida State in three years, or whatever." He's <laughs> three coaches in four years, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great line. He's like, "Yeah, I don't need any advice from people down in Tallahassee. I think I'm good." <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. I mean, angry Dabo is the best. So, hey, I, I think one of the the most disappointing aspects, though, of them not playing that game is that it actually removes an opportunity for Trevor Lawrence to get back into the Heisman running. And that's Mm -hmm. sort of been one of my big issues with it. Now, Dabo this week kind of started up his own campaigns saying that, listen, the most logical people know that he should win the Heisman. So do you think Trevor has the time to get back into the Heisman race running? And uh, I mean, is there any chance that he's comes away with the hardware this year? No, I don't think so. And and the reason why is because Florida, the two guys that are ahead of him in the race um, are at Florida and Alabama, and they're going to play each other. And so one of those guys is going to have a good game. The other guy's not. And Trevor probably finishes the runner-up. The only way I could see Trevor doing this, but I don't think it could happen, was him throwing like seven touchdowns against Notre Dame. <laughs> That's the only way I could see that happen. And, but I think Notre Dame's too good of a defense for that to happen. So, yeah. you know, though I think Trevor's maybe, you know, 14 points better for Clemson against Notre Dame, um, that I still see that being a difficult thing to ask um, Trevor Lawrence to do in a game against that kind of defense. Um, uh, I think that's going to be a good game. I think, you know, Clemson's going to be better shaped because of it. But, you know, I can't – I just can't see him throw that many touchdown passes against uh, Notre Dame. Now, then again – I didn't think Joe Burrow would throw six against Clemson. So, uh, you know, and that happened. Anything last can year. happen. So anything can happen. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But right now, as of today, I say no. I don't think there's any way he can get back in the race. And that's a shame because the reason he fell out of the race was because he got COVID 19. And I don't understand in this era, we've heard all these people talk about player safety and, and deservedly so. And and we heard all these people, you know, talk about how you shouldn't punish people for anybody who gets COVID-19 or you shouldn't punish teams that get it. But yet you're going to punish Trevor Lawrence for it. He was the number one guy before he got sick. He should come back in as the number one guy because he did nothing against Pittsburgh to say he wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it should even be, I mean, I thought him missing the Notre Dame game, and like you said, Clemson lost because he wasn't playing. That's a good illustration of why he's the best player in the country and the most important player in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, Florida State didn't play them because they didn't want to play a fully healthy Trevor Lawrence either. And so that's another good illustration of why, how, or just how valuable and how good he is as well. So, yeah, yeah that's and- it. Go ahead. And if, sorry. And for people out there, you know, Alabama fans that might be listening or Florida fans. Hey, our guy's great. Well, Mac Jones is not even the best player on his own team. I mean, you, you can't argue with me on that. He's not. I mean, there's like four wide receivers that are better than he is yeah. <laughs> that are all going to go in the draft probably before he goes. Okay, I'm going to be honest. Carl, uh, um, Kyle Trask is not the best player on Florida's team. You know, um, I would say number 84. Is, is the is other better. Kyle? Yes, exactly. It, 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 I would say he's better than than Trask um, on their team. Um, so now you can't tell me there's anybody better on Clemson's team than Trevor Lawrence. There's not. I think, like you said, the Notre Dame game proved that. You know, um, uh, Travis Etienne, as great as he is, he needs Trevor Lawrence. He needs sixteen. You know, um, and so um, you know, Trevor Lawrence is the most outstanding player on his own team. And he's the most outstanding player in college football. And like Dabo says, if you can't see that, then you have no idea what you're looking at. And um, look, Mac Jones is a good college quarterback. Call, uh, Kyle Trask is a good college quarterback. They're not great college quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is a great college quarterback. There's a difference between Trevor Lawrence and those two guys. And I, I'm sorry, you know, um, you know, Alabama's wide receivers are so good. They're so wide open. And me and you can make some of those throws. I'm being honest. <laughs> they got such a great offensive line in front of them that he can't hardly even get touched. And then, I mean, and then they, those wide receivers are just wide open. I mean, they're like 20 yards wide open every time. I mean, when has he had to make a difficult throw where he's had to like the throw Trevor through to Amari Rogers the other day? Like, you know, what I'm talking about when he Amari Rogers laid out. Oh, yeah. That yeah. throw was an unbelievable throw. Nobody in college football can make that throw but him. You know, those two guys that I just talked about could not make that throw that he made. I'm sorry. They can't. (laughs) I haven't seen Mac Jones throw a a difficult pass yet this year. Everybody's so wide open. I mean, it's just like it's easy street. Like I said, man, I can make those, man. I see a guy running. I'm I'm going to chuck it as far as I can. I know he's going to catch it. I was going to say, thanks for giving me credit for uh, believing that I could make those throws. I'm not sure I, I could even make those throws. The you easy can make ones, those so. throws, man. If the guy's that <laughs> wide open, man, you just got to just grab back and throw it as far as you can. He'll catch it. He'll get right underneath it. <laughs> Devontae <laughs> Smith is amazing. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely is. So, I mean, so, yeah, you know, that's why, that's who, that's the argument I make to Alabama fans because they can't argue that. Neither can Florida because they yeah. know those two quarterbacks are not the best quarterbacks, best players on their team. They know that. But yeah. Clemson can make that argument because they know Trevor Lawrence is the best on their team. Absolutely. So let's hope that he throws seven touchdowns in, against Notre Dame and and all things will be right in the world again. Uh, <laughs> hey, I've got a couple more questions for you. I know that there's yeah. a Steelers game coming up here, so I don't want to keep you too long from it. But don't worry, um, I'll remind you before you before you. Okay. Know. Okay. <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> uh, the last time you were on, you mentioned that Braden Galloway and uh, you mentioned Joseph Ngannou and Frank Latz, and you thought were probably going to be breakout players this season. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, Ngata and Latson have had injury issues. They haven't really broken out. But uh, Braden Galloway, as far as I know, has been pretty healthy. But I have yet to see him really become like an integral part of this offense. Uh, I know he blocks and I know he does a lot of other things. But why isn't he more involved in the passing game when those other receivers are out and maybe 
we've wondered about the Clemson options, and I know that so several of the other receivers have now stepped up, but why hasn't Braden Galloway really broken out this season? Well, let's not forget, though, he did have a pretty good game the other day. He did, yes, yeah. Pitt. He did. Yeah. He, he did have a long run down the sideline that set up a touchdown. Let's not forget, that was a heck of a play he made. Um, so it's there. He's shown the potential. Um, I still think he's coming around, and he will. I think he's going to be more and more valuable to this offense as the season rolls around. Um, you know, and so I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's just how they've used him. Um, it's how defenses have schemed also against him and the tight ends, knowing that Clemson, they've wanted Clemson to have to throw to those other receivers. Yeah. And so Clemson's had to use Galloway a lot to block pass pro. I mean, let me just be honest with you. And that's kind of taken them out a little bit out of the passing game. But now you're seeing Cornell Powell emerge as a deep threat. I'm going to tell you, that is going to be huge. Why did Clemson run the ball for 147 yards against Pittsburgh? Which nobody does, by the way. People forget Pittsburgh was giving up only 88 yards a game rushing going into that game. Why did Clemson get 147? Well, because the safeties had to worry about what number 17's doing. Because number 17 tore Notre Dame a new one, you know, <laughs> you know, and he and he did it again against them. And he would did it the week before against Boston College. And so everybody's like, when he did it against Boston College, it was like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, just to break it, and, and maybe he had one game. Then they te- Notre Dame tested him, and he just lit Notre Dame up. Well, now if you're Pittsburgh and you see that, you're like, well, you know, we can't totally sell out. We got to stay back a little bit. And that's what you saw, and you saw that help Clemson start to run the football against Pittsburgh. You're going to see that more and more now. Travis Etienne, I'm going to tell you right now, Travis Etienne's going to have a big game running the football against Virginia Tech. Go ahead and tell you that right now. All he's right, I like the sound game. of that. He's going to have a big game this week, and he's going to have a big, ga- a bigger game against Notre Dame because two reasons. A, um, the, what I just explained about Powell, Notre Dame's going to have to worry about him now as a deep threat. He's a legit deep threat. Um, and you're going to have to worry about these other guys. And then now you're going to have the zone read because Trevor's coming in. He's healthy. He's going to run the zone read and going to run some RPOs and things of that nature. That's going to cause those Notre Dame linebackers and defensive ends to freeze a little bit. And that's all Travis Etienne needs is that one little, one little, you know, little tiny thing of the offensive line to slide through and he's going to fit up in there and he's gone. So I think you're going to see Travis Etienne get better and better numbers. And I think you're going to see Braden Galloway get better and better numbers. Um, also, another guy I didn't hit on, I did hit on that's really kind of emerged is EJ Williams. Uh, I said, this is a kid that was coming along. I really liked him. I think I like his potential. You saw that last week. Man, did he play motivated last week, come out there, score a touchdown right off the bat and, you know, honoring his dad. So that was great to see. That kid's going to be special before it's all said and done. And I think he's a weapon Clemson's going to have as they continue to make this playoff push. Uh, Clemson's fine, everybody. Just don't worry. Clemson's fine. <laughs> they got plenty of weapons on offense. They're, they're good. Braden Galloway's going to be fine. Trust me. This offense is – you're just starting to see the level of where this offense can go, especially if the offensive line can do what they did last week, which was I liked how they simplified things up front. Um, you know, Clemson likes to run a lot of zone blocking schemes, and and, and it's worked okay in the last couple of years because they've had the horses to do it. Um, but this offensive line just – it's just not fast enough, you know? And I think it took them a while to see that, you know, it's hard for these guards to get out there and, and, and you know, and roll over and, and, and block and things of that nature down the line. So what I liked what they did against Pitt is they just went right at them. North-south running. They got rid of the zone blocking. It was come straight downhill at them. And you look at the touchdowns right down in the goal line, this is against one of the best run defenses in college football in Pittsburgh. And 
of the four, they had four rushing touchdowns against them. Most Pittsburgh's given up all year in a game. Um, and three of them, Travis Etienne and Lynn J. Dixon were, I mean, were untouched. I mean, nobody touched them and three of those runs. Like they just, why is that? Well, because they, they simplified things on the offensive line, got rid of some of that zone blocking and they just run downhill. And I'm telling you, that's all you need to do with Travis Etienne. Run downhill, let him get four or five yards, and then let him do the rest. You know, with he's not getting touched. That's what you saw in that Pittsburgh game. You're going to see that more and more as the season goes on. All right. I like the sound of that. So last question for you then. We haven't talked at all about the Virginia Tech game until now, <laughs> which uh, I guess is still happening this Saturday. So, so, um, so far, so good. Let's hold our yeah. breath. Cross your fingers. Yeah, it's not Saturday morning yet, so you never know. Exactly. Uh, Since I'm going, I know I joke, but – First game I got to go to this year was at Tallahassee, and we know the end of that story. Oh, so, wow. All right. Well, should, first road game, I should say. I've got, I get okay. to go to every home game, obviously, but first road game. The ACC's been weird with their rules. I won't say weird. They've been safe. I should say they've been safe with their rules um, with COVID, and so they haven't allowed as many media, visiting media, to go to these games. And so this was the first game. Florida State was the first game I was going to get to go as a visiting media. Um, so I was kind of pumped about it. And then, um, and then, of course, we know the rest of the story. So Virginia um, Tech, I'm going again. So, okay. um, so let's hold well, our breath. Yeah, if it doesn't happen, I'm going to blame it on you. Then now that I know blame that, it on me because I'll be two for two. That's I'll, right. I mean, I'll be hitting a thousand. So you may have to you may have to retire. <laughs> <laughs> have don't to. don't do that. Uh, but so, anyways, Virginia Tech. Um, simple question. I'm not really afraid of them. Not scared of them. Do you have any reason why Clemson fans should be afraid that? the Tigers may come out and blow a tire in this game. Well, there is two concerns, okay? Um, and both of them are on the offensive side of the ball, and, and, and that's um, Hendon Hooker, the quarterback, and, and, and Herbert, the running back. Um, they're both the best Clemson's seen all year in the sense of what they do, okay? Now, Herbert's not a gr- – I mean, Hooker's not a great passer. No, he's not. I mean, they completed about 60% of their passes right at 200 yards, so you're not really worried about Virginia Tech throwing the football that much. You get them in third and long, you're going to be good. But what they want to do would be in third and short situations where they can really continue to run the football. And if they are able to do that, and remember Virginia really burned Clemson with that quarterback run. That guy really hurt Clemson. Um, so now I think you know Venables is going to be ready for him and, and <clears throat> going to try to make sure that doesn't happen. But to me, that is a concern because you got dynamic, explosive running back in Herbert. And you got an explosive quarterback that when he runs the football and Hendon Hooker. So that the, those are the two concerns for me in this game. I think if Clemson can really shut them down on first down and get them playing behind the chains, then they're going to be in good shape on defense because they may beat them every once in a while with the pass play, but it is not going to happen very often, not consistently enough where they're going to have to drive the ball throwing the football. So if I'm looking at a key – it's Clemson's defensive front really containing that uh, Hokies running game, which is averaging 250 yards a game, and they've run on everybody they've played. Nobody has seemingly been able to stop them running the football. Um, so that's going to be a challenge for this Clemson defense come um, uh, sat, uh, Saturday night in uh, Blacksburg. Well, let's hope they're healthy for it, and uh, I'm sure they'll be up for the challenge. So, hey, thanks for joining us, Will. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about your podcast real quick before we let you go? 
Yeah, me and LeVon Kirkland. Um, actually trying to figure out how I'm going to be able to do one today because <laughs> I got the Steelers game, <laughs> and then I got Clemson basketball game. Uh, got Dabo Sweeney after practice. So, um, but yeah, ch- look for our podcast comes out on Thursdays. The uh, uh, Clemson football with LeVon Kirkland. Uh, you can find it on um, any of your Apple stuff, um, Spotify, all that. Uh, you can find it anywhere you get your podcast. Um, and then um, you know you can also see our stuff at the Clemson Insider. Um, I work there as the as a, as a senior writer and stuff, um, as we cover Clemson football recruiting and all that as well. Um, that's all free. So you don't got to pay for anything. Um, and then, um, you know, of course you, my book is out there on, uh, you get amazon.com, you know, hidden history, Clemson football talked about that last time, I believe. And if, um, they can still get that, if you looking for Christmas presents, right. Uh, you can go to amazon.com and, and, and order there. Or if you just happen to be in a Barnes and Nobles books, a million in the state of South Carolina, you'll be able to find it or downtown Clemson at, Pretty much, I think all the Clemson sports shops have them downtown, so you'll be able to find it there as well if you're there. Um, so, yeah, do that for me. I greatly appreciate it. You'll help uh, me be able to buy people Christmas presents by buying that book. So uh, look at Definitely. it as a win-win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we'll help you out. We'll link to it in, in this uh, episode show notes. So uh, if you're listening you. to this, you can you can find it there. Make it real simple. It'll be a perfect uh, gift for your relatives and your Clemson fans. So, hey, Will. Appreciate the time. Good luck to the Steelers today. And uh, thanks for taking the time. I know it sounds like it's a crazy busy day for you. So we really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. Yeah, it's a crazy busy day that I'm going to take three hours off to watch a football game and then get back busy <laughs> again. But, uh, but thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. Always, always enjoy doing this with you, man. All right, man. Good talking. all in on the best Clemson podcast around by subscribing on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And while you're there, it'd be cool if you left us a positive review. 